HR professionals, welcome to this week's episode of the New Professional Podcast. Hustle culture is a state many of us find ourselves in. The fundamental precept of hustle culture is that your personal life and hobbies take a backseat to building revenue streams. According to smarts.com, over one third of Americans currently have a hustle, while another quarter currently have plans to start a side venture. Overall, about 55% of Americans are in the process of developing new businesses. With numbers like that, we have to ask, why are we so obsessed with hustle culture? From the very beginning of our education, we were told, if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible quote was used by John Smith during the colonization era. For the colonists, working was the difference between survival or death. If we look forward a few chapters, we see immigrants coming to America for new opportunities. We see industry begin to boom as technology develops. We see poor men become rich off of their hard work. We see men go to war and women go to work. We see industry and all of its hideous glory. We are descendants of workers with a heritage of hustle culture. Unfortunately, much like our predecessors, many Americans find that the hustle is not just to pad their pocket. For many, side jobs and businesses are the only way to survive. According to the United States Census Bureau, in the article, Women More Likely to Have Multiple Jobs, written by Julia Beckenhouse in 2019, over 13 million Americans have more than one job. In 2022, we as a society see secondary revenue streams as more than just a way to pay our bills. We see it as insurance. COVID came and ripped everything we thought we knew about job security to shreds. What was meant to be a two-week hiatus turned into mass layoffs and left us all wondering, how am I going to pay my bills tomorrow? As Americans have done and will continue to do, we got to work, even in the face of a pandemic. Need a book to read? I will write it. Need someone to check on your grandma? I will go. This phenomenon of industry has led to new changes in the corporate world. As companies begin to welcome employees back, they found that not everyone was willing to give up what they had built. The Great Resignation was caused by a series of societal changes, not the least of which was the emergence of new small businesses. In addition to those who rely on alternate revenue methods to pay their bills, there are those who use it as a means of personal promotion and additional income. Many of the people who fall into this group could be looking for an expedited way to pay off large sums, such as college loans and car loans, or they could see it as a way to gain experience that they may not have in their 9-to-5. When this approach is taken, many will maintain their 9-to-5 either permanently or until their income from their side hustle is in excess of their corporate occupation. This week, we interview Josh Fisher with KPMG about his thoughts on America's hustle culture. So I work for KPMG. It's one of the big four consulting firms. Um, one of the caveats in even like enhancing my career a little bit was to kind of minimize the amount of side hustle uh, jobs that I have. But uh, full-time, I'm working as an accounting consultant. And then on the side, I've got uh, a number of websites and, and YouTube going on podcasts like this. Awesome. So part of what you do right now is uh, name recognition for yourself as part of it. And then what are some of, what is your current relationship with side hustles? What are some things that you have cooking or that you've done in the past? Yeah. So I find it's kind of hard to be like a millennial Gen Z and not have a side hustle. I mean, you pretty much need the extra income to pay rent or just kind of cover some of your uh, debts. Try to get into the American dream. It's a little bit harder than it used to be, it feels like. Yes, exactly. 
Um, so I, I've always had some kind of side hustle. Um, I guess my main one is growyourcash.com, uh, mainly talking about real estate. Um, again, I own properties and then also just helping friends and new people um, like buy their first home or buy an investment property. So that's kind of my niche. So like we said, it's a little bit harder these days. It's everybody has something, right? I was talking to a lady I work with who started her own bathing suit line um, on top of the job that she does right now. And that really got me thinking, why do you think it's so popular now for people to have these projects, these extra jobs, these other things that they're doing? What are your thoughts on that? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's out of necessity. I, I think it's hard to just rely on a job nowadays. When you think about kind of the, the great resignation, a lot of people switching positions all the time, and also just company loyalty. I mean, you don't know how long your, your position is going to be secure for. Uh, something that happened recently that we might be dating ourselves is Better.com, a uh, mortgage lending company laid off a ton of staff. Nobody expected it. And you never know if it's going to be your last paycheck. So having a side hustle can give you a sort of sense of security because you are in control of that income stream. Absolutely. I also think that we see a lot more of um, where posts that chase your dreams, anybody can be anything they want to be kind of mindset. But what I think we're seeing a little bit more now is that if you really want something, you have to be willing to work for it. And sometimes your day job is just a means to an end to fund your passions. Or even in my case, I've found that I have learned so much with the jobs that I do that it makes me more valuable in a freelance position. So what I've enjoyed about that is being able to do what I love, but also continue to learn and develop with the support of a larger corporation that I might not be able to have otherwise. Um, So I think during COVID, we definitely saw... Everybody got laid off around the same time. There was just masses of people who were like, go home for two weeks, who never just went back to the office. I think that gave people time to get in touch with their hobbies. But what we also saw is that during COVID, people actually had more money on hand to spend on goods and items. I'm curious, do you think that we might see a... a maybe like a mass exodus of people who have been doing these businesses because people no longer have the capital as things begin to open up again? Well, if we take a step back with COVID, um, there were very generous unemployment packages. Uh, basically, uh, state of Texas, we offer $500 a week, plus there's federal $600 of assistance. So a lot of people found themselves making more money not working than actually working. So it gave them a lot of time to kind of process what do they actually want to be doing. Um, And ultimately, a lot of people are deciding they don't want to just go back to maybe their fast food job. So we're seeing a lot more automation. Um, So I think there are some businesses that are just kind of realizing with the shortage of workers, they can't really exist in this model, especially like commission-only jobs. It's hard to, to get people to work uh, when there isn't a guaranteed paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Basically, a third of all jobs are like gig economy jobs, like people doing DoorDash, Uber Eats, or their own side hustle. Sometimes people put these side hustles all together to make like a, the equivalent of a full time position. 
Um, but it, it is very difficult without the resources of maybe having medical care or having uh, training materials that you would get from a larger company. Yeah, it is to go to show that just about anybody who wants to, there's opportunity out there for the most part. I mean, there are barriers like to do those delivery services. You have to have a car and that means you have to have car insurance and it, it does build up a little bit. But if you have a will, there's usually a way, right? Um, what I am noticing now is that um, single entity ownership, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if we're going to continue just to see that continue to um, take over the marketplace or if it's just going to generate so much competition. Not that I would ever want to like, I would never want to dissuade people from starting their businesses, but I want to encourage them to make sure that they are looking at the marketplace and saying, is this a unique offering? Can I do it better? What am I offering that's different? Can I do it cheaper? Um, looking at those opportunities where your item is actually different because with the rise of all of these businesses and these opportunities, what are you actually providing that's better? And is it just that there's a high enough demand that one person can't meet it? Like with those jobs with DoorDash, Uber Eats, and the other delivery services, one person could not fulfill the need for all of those, right? And that's why we have three different platforms to order Taco Bell on at 2 a.m. <laughs> Well, right. a quick comment is sometimes you don't actually need to be exceptional. Sometimes uh, maybe a quick example is like Uber or Lyft. If there's a, more drivers that are driving for Uber and you're trying to, to get a ride home, you're naturally going to go with the platform that has more workers. Not necessarily that it's a better service. It's just which company is available to deliver at whatever moment. Um, I think sometimes businesses, they, they feel that they need to be... Uh, truly exceptional, but sometimes just showing up and competing in the marketplace, it, it, you may find an audience that supports um, just kind of self-sustaining. Uh, so I don't want to deter anybody who's like thinking about starting a business, thinking about how do I like beat the competition? Sometimes you just start with one product, people like it, and then you grow from there, kind of like Kickstarter or oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, just having your own site. Yeah. Well, we talked a little bit about um, maybe less technical work with the delivery services. What about people who are bringing something technical to the workspace? So with um, consulting, what I do for KPMG is finance transformation. We basically take old processes, uh, automate what we can and make improvements. And a lot of very large companies actually have kind of older processes. They're not as quick to change. So it's kind of like anybody who's been taking the past couple of years, learning skill sets, it's not quite the same as far as implementing them once they get into the workforce. They still need to get a couple of years of experience. Say, for instance, somebody went into coding, developing, they've had the time to study. It's not, but not the, the practical application. Right? And yes, exactly. So I, I think that it's kind of like going to school where you have a, a couple of years of learning, but um, it, you still need the experience or you need somewhere to plug in your experience to get compensated. Absolutely. Um, I have seen some people take those skills that they've picked up and become contractors and then contract with much larger corporations because 
And it is more economical for those companies to outsource and pay somebody to do it than to bring it in-house. So I've really liked to see um, industries where you can see it. It's mostly digital industries like design, development, um, things that might have already been outsourced before, but it's a much people are much more likely to be willing to outsource it now because of the um, companies don't want to have to keep offices if they don't have to. Right. So a lot of the times contractors make more sense just because of the overhead you're saving on. Uh, It depends on the size of the company. I would say right now, larger firms like APMG, we're just desperate for staff. Um, I'm actively recruiting to kind of grow just different areas of our departments. Um, I mean, that includes design I think that sometimes, like initially in our careers, we have a, I don't know, kind of a pressure where we think like being a consultant is kind of necessary to uh, get your foot in the door, make yourself as cheap as possible. But there are a lot of salary positions that are available right now that I wouldn't neglect if you have the skills that you can plug yourself into a salaried role. instead of starting your own firm, which is going to be a lot more work. I would say if you're learning it again, like year one through five, um, focus more on maybe being an employee, kind of learning the practice before branching off into your own firm and consulting, contracting. So I actually have a friend who, um, he was a chief marketing officer and just dealt with a lot of promotions, Google AdSense campaigns, that kind of stuff. And he was very highly compensated as an employee. But during COVID, he took the opportunity to start his own firm, reach out uh, just to different businesses that he had relationships with. And he charges the clients like $2,000 to $10,000 per month uh, for subscriptions. So he's definitely taking his skill set of these individual businesses can't afford his level of expertise, but he's splitting it up between all of them. Um, and definitely delivering more value than they would get, probably get for what they're paying. That makes sense. So if you're doing that, if you're looking at leaving a large group where you have that position already and you're taking the chance to start a new company to take that chance on yourself, how do you decide if it's really worth the effort that you're going to do that? How do you do that analysis of, I have this steady income, but... Could I make more doing it separately? What do you think? I think you make the decision based off you have your core business. Let's say you're making 50000 a year and you've got a side business and you're making maybe, I don't know, 20 to 30. If you can get the side business to replicate what you're doing in your, your main job, then you can feel comfortable in that switch. I think it's just that simple. You need to make sure your side business is established enough. I wouldn't lean on it too early. Otherwise, you're you may end up living off the twenty or thirty thousand, which limits the growth of your new business. Which definitely leads into the side hustle culture. It's let me get let me really develop this to where if I left my main job, I would be looking at at least making what I was making before I started my side business. And I've definitely seen that come up time and time again. Of Mm, That didn't quite work, but at least I have my day job or, okay, that gives me the room to put money into my new business because every new business has startup costs. And chances are that a lot of people are not going to be able to get um, investors from the very beginning. 
So seeing that and just weighing those pros and cons, I think that has led to this generation of people who are just like, I want something better. I want something that's mine, but I want to do it safely, Mm -hmm. which I believe has led to side hustles in general, right? And I think it's such a shift in your mindset. When you think about being an employee, you have vacation days, you have holidays, you probably are just working like maybe eight to 10 hours per day. And then when you have your own business, you may find yourself actually working over 10 hours a day. You'll probably find yourself working in your sleep. You know, the amount of times I've had dreams, solving problems that I tried to fix while I was awake, like it just doesn't stop. Yes. So I think the challenge is, even if you just replace your your core job with your side hustle, it becomes your your main business. Um, Trying to achieve some kind of work-life balance so that it's sustainable I think a lot of us are working side hustles, uh, putting in a lot more hours than we're getting compensated for. So you want to make sure that it's it's absolutely. I know it's super super easy to get burnt out, right? Personally, and I don't expect this to be for everybody, but I'm I love what I'm doing. That the stuff that I do for my side business or for my personal development actually gets me excited to go to work the next day to bring those skills into the workplace. Like that's the way I relax is work is work. But when I'm working for me or working for my clients, it's just a totally, it could be the exact same things, but because I feel like I have ownership and more control over it, for some reason, it just, it energizes me more than it drains me, which might not be the case for everybody. So we definitely want to make sure, hey, don't work too much. Make sure you're getting sleep and the social interaction. Don't forget to drink your water. But at the end of the day, um, you got to be really in charge of pacing yourself because if it's something that you're excited about and you're not going to be able to sleep till you get it done, get it done, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and what you're describing is purpose. I mean, when you feel a connection between your work, what you're doing, um, it's just a lot more fulfilling than just showing up for a paycheck. And you can absolutely find that in the corporate setting, but it has to be something you're really aligned to. And that's the beauty of creating your own thing is that you're already, it is aligned to you. And then you're trying to draw people in to your vision. And it's just so much more exciting. I, I look at the CEOs around me and I look at how much work they put in and you just know that every successful business has been a labor of love and they just, there is something about it that keeps them going all the time. There is something about it that creates that spark. I've never met a CEO who's like, I hate finance, but I'm going to do finance and it's going to work, right? It, it's passion. It's love. It's being able to put those hours in. And I think when you really have that, it comes across to the people that you want to work with as well. So when you're in your side hustle culture, if you're starting to feel burnt out, it might be time to look at where you're aligning yourself. And if you are really passionate or were you doing it because you needed the extra income? Because I think there were a lot of people who took on um, jobs or businesses because it was something they could do to make money but it doesn't necessarily have long-term effects because they're going to get burnt out because it's not something they're really passionate about. Yeah. And like, there's different degrees of side hustles. I mean, somebody being an Uber driver between their different hours, um, I was at a work event and we were just talking about uh, basically an employee at a company that was Ubering during their uh, like lunch break. And it's, 
I would imagine it's easy to get burnt out over that. And it's not something long-term that you're building equity or you're building a brand as a, as an Uber driver. Absolutely. You're, you're, yeah, that can come down to contacts as well. Like theoretically, if you really wanted to do a, uh, taxi type service, then you get regular people who request you for that service enough that you can branch out on your own. So those services can also be a great start to starting your own thing. Um, I've also noticed the, the first week when I had moved to Dallas, I was talking to my Uber driver and he was telling me he makes over a hundred thousand dollars a year and he just gets to drive around the city all day. I have no clue if that was net or before, who knows. But the fact that he was just like, I get to sit in my car, I keep it clean, and I get to drive around and talk to people all day. He had passion about it. He made it work for him. So it's just really about finding that thing that works for you and finding people who need that service. We live so close to the uh, airport that I could imagine that it's just a 24-7 kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've, you've had some experience, you've done your real estate stuff primarily that we've talked about. You have your, um, your consulting things with tax services and accounting. No? Yeah. So need to clarify, a lot of people know me as Josh, the accountant, and I actually do very little accounting work nowadays. So I take advantage of those relationships where people reach out to me with work to bid out um, I've got friends who are CPAs. They do tax 24-7. Um, so I just make those connections. And sometimes that turns into a side hustle, like accidentally, um, where it's just, you know, somebody who can do the job and you're just kind of that middleman in that arrangement. Referrals are their own business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you were to give advice to somebody who was just starting on their process, they have something that they know will work or that they really are excited about, what is some advice you give to somebody right at the beginning? So I actually mentor high school, college students right at the beginning of their careers. I just kind of focus on what is it they're trying to achieve, like having a plan, ultimately think about where they want to be in five years. and that's very helpful because then you can set up milestones. Here's something to kind of keep you on track for the next couple of months, certifications, or just let's apply for positions together. Um, when it comes to maybe like a side hustle or starting your business, I would say really think about what your time is worth. Um, one of the mistakes I made uh, very early on when I was like a notary, um, I used to do like $6 notarizations because that's all you could charge. Uh, mobile notaries typically charge closer to like 50 to 100 uh, because their time is involved. Um, they've got to travel to the client, etc. Um, and with larger consulting firms, we kind of look at what employee is paid, the margins we want to make on a project. Um, so we end up billing maybe our, our time is worth $300, $300 an hour because we have to pay the employee, we have to pay for their medical, we have to accommodate travel, and just maybe we might write off some of the time. So instead of thinking about just the lowest you can charge, maybe think about if I want to provide a better service, um, yeah, having absolutely. a little bit of markup, factoring in, okay, do I need to bring other people in? Can I share this opportunity with other people? 
Um, and how much money would I be making if I were doing something else, working for somebody else? Because yeah, ultimately, while you might start lower, the more you develop, you want to make sure that you're making at least as much money as you'd be making working for somebody else. Yes. And, and everything's proportional because uh, once you expand the relationship, once they get to know you where maybe you were working for $20 an hour, it's hard to get a client like that to pay 100 But if you're already at 100 maybe you can market up to 150 yeah, that's another thing, though. You could also look and see if the scope of service could change. Is if you've been doing this one service, but they need these three other ones, renegotiate the whole contract or the whole relationship. Um, because I was I was online this week, and I'm sure it was a TikTok because I spend way too much time on TikTok these days. But somebody made the point that if you can raise your prices and you're going to lose half of your clients, it's probably still worth it to raise your prices because you won't be as busy. You can get higher paying clients and the ones who stay know your value. So, And you're definitely getting better experience at that point working with the higher tier uh, clients who are still with you. Absolutely. It is absolutely about working your way up from the bottom, which again, really relates to that American dream, starting with nothing, starting with a high school degree, a college degree, a certification and building something. Mm -hmm. Well, I do want to clarify. So with real estate, for instance, I would advise a lot of people to avoid starting at the bottom, uh, the bottom (laughs) in the sense of starting at the cheapest house, because sometimes the cheapest house has the most problems that you need to fix it's sometimes better to just wait until you can afford something that is in better condition. Um, maybe rent and then uh, like share some of your space with other, other people until you can afford a house that is not going to be a lot of problems. Yeah. Flipping costs way more than people ever expect it to. Yes. Even if you go and watch HGTV, which is totally staged, you know that the finished cost is rarely going to be what they originally thought it was because you're always going to come up with other issues. Yeah. And maybe this extends to other side hustles. Like when you think of like Fiverr.com, uh, it's a lot of people doing work for $5 to 50. Um, sometimes that work doesn't give you the skills that you need to be able to charge over a hundred dollars per hour with clients. So it's again, the experience you're getting Maybe yeah, a lot of the time, time, people who are paying $5 for a service know what the service should look like for $5 and are never going to be willing to pay more. Because if they were, they probably wouldn't have paid $5 to begin with. Yes. Yeah. And they also tend to be really picky, too. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and part of the whole side hustles, monetizing your hobbies. What are your thoughts on turning a hobby into a business? I have thoughts, but I'd love to hear. Oh, yeah. I love it. Like if you are an amazing painter and you can live off of that, that's amazing. If you can knit baby blankets out of alpaca wool, I think it's wool, then go for it. I think it's awesome, but I do think it is a really difficult line to work walk full time because you are taking something you love and something that you do just for the pure relaxation or because you love it. Um, I think it can make you hate it. So I would really advise people to be careful before doing that and make sure that this is something that you could legitimately do 15 hours a day, every day. Yeah. 
So uh, you said you had some thoughts as well. What are your what are your thoughts towards that? Yeah, it was just kind of an extension of the thought that that you can end up hating your hobby at the end of this if it's you're committing to doing it for ten plus hours. Um, I think there's a lot of competition too. When you even think of the expression uh, like "do what you love and the money will follow," I think that maybe in the YouTube streaming sense, like there's a lot of competition with a lot of people who are just trying to monetize their hobby. Uh, honestly, when you're thinking about your niche or your business, solving problems that there's maybe not as much competition, you have more control over what you're charging, what your, your product looks like. There's less expectations. Um, I've kind of found in real estate, my niche is more house hacking and kind of creative ways to buy houses um, I'm not directly competing with uh, like giant property managers or, or portfolios that are just making cash offers on homes. You can definitely burn yourself out, but if it is something that you really can say that you can do continuously um, and continue to make money off of it, then I say absolutely go for it. But bear in mind that if you start getting burnt out, um, that also might lead to other costs because if your business grows, you're going to have to... Can you teach somebody else to do it? Can you teach somebody else to replicate this? Is it easier for you to create a pattern and sell that and create passive income than it is to make them every day? Um, you got to find a way to make your craft and your art have some longevity to it and uh, continue to bring in income even after you can't do it anymore. So making sure that it is something that can be replicated in some way will also help you in that uh, continuing to keep that business alive. In my opinion on passive income has kind of changed over time, whether something is truly passive. I think a lot of the times the businesses that we're creating, we're getting compensated while we're working. But as soon as we put less effort into it, I mean, usually what you're being paid at the, the back end reflects that as well. So I hope that people aren't starting a business or getting into this with the expectation that they're really truly building passive income. I think passive income more comes from investments. Like you're just taking money and you're getting dividends from the stock market. You're getting rents. Um, it, it's difficult to get, let's say, intellectual property, um, like for instance, book sales. If you're not promoting your book, the book's not going to sell and you're going to get less royalties. Same thing with content creating. Absolutely. Um, talking about passive income for a moment, I think that also plays into this mentality that we all have developed. Um, we want to find something, but it really has to be an investment. And um, I don't know about you. I never really plan to retire. I will die and that will be my retirement party. <laughs> but it would be nice to create something that can support itself with minimal management. So as I go, as I continue to plan to build my business in the future, um, I'm aware that I can't do everything. And this goes back to your referrals as well as when it comes to logo design, I'm not the strongest. I can I can make one, but I don't love it. And I, it's not my particular skill set. But I do know other people who are good at it. And sometimes the key is just being the one who can bring all of the elements together. And uh, 
While it'll never be quite passive, sometimes management is also the way to go. Like project management is a great route for somebody who understands all of the facets, but might not have the right um, skill set for every single one. Because quite frankly, the person designing my logo probably doesn't understand accounting. But there could be a person who's a project manager who understands the applications of both and can bring those together. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for something as you go um, to create passive income, see consulting is always a great way to go. Yeah, I mean, consulting project management usually comes with a little bit more experience that you are familiar with a lot of different aspects of whatever you're managing. Um, it's not very beginner friendly. I have some friends that are trying to get into project management and it's uh, a little bit more complicated. If you're taking the standpoint of like it being a side hustle, usually, um, your clients kind of expect that you've had some experience like as an employee first. Absolutely. And, um, it can also be a niche kind of thing like, um, If you've had experience in one field, you might need to get a lot of experience working as an independent contractor for that field before you can switch over because it is, it is a matter of the amount of work, the quality of work. But if you have an in somewhere, it is good to start now. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess part of side hustles too, it's thinking about using your existing experience. Um, I was even making some updates to my resume recently where you want to list out like the clients that you work with. Um, ultimately, say your core job, you do work with like Fortune 500 companies. That's definitely something you should share with your side hustle as far as your, that's what you're bringing to the table, your experience. And don't be afraid as far as name dropping. Um, Networking is always one of the secrets, right? It's like, it doesn't matter how much you know until you know somebody a lot of the time. Like, um, I can tell you that every major job I've had in my career has been because I know the right people because of networking, because of just because I won't shut up and stop talking. (laughs) So that name recognition come in very handy no matter what you're doing because... Um, if your side hustle is selling Barbie doll outfits, then you should be talking to somebody who is in the collectible doll industry, right? If you're into marketing, you need to know people who own businesses. It's, it's about who, you know, because you cannot serve those industries if you cannot reach them. Yeah. And it's a lot more exciting as far as like the Barbie doll outfit idea Say you used to work in Mattel, the manufacturer, I, I think people would pay a lot more attention to your site being kind of a spinoff of you've got Barbie experience. Now you're semi-official. You're a designer or maybe you're a runway designer. I don't know. I like this idea of being a Barbie designer, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, so ultimately... I'm just kind of like wrapping everything up as far as the side hustle culture. There's a lot of positives that you're bringing your experience together to your main job. It's you're using your passion. Um, I'm always a little bit conflicted. The fact that we even have this culture where again, so many people have side hustles 
it's kind of hard to, to outwork everyone where it would be nice if the side hustle was truly just more of a extra income, extra income, you're exceptional. Um, but I find that a lot of professionals, again, they have something going on inside, at least one thing. Um, so if you don't have one right now, I mean, seriously consider what you're doing with your weekends. Um, even after five o'clock, are you just giving that time away to your job? Uh, I've had coworkers who, again, are fully dedicated to their company. They're working till eight or 9 p.m. every night. You're only paid nine to five, right? Most likely just pay the salary. If you're getting overtime, I don't blame you. I mean, <laughs> fucking all the hours. Yeah, that goes uh, back to knowing what your time is worth. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, have definitely seen that come up recently where people have those office jobs and uh, they are working well outside of the expected eight hours to meet their goals. And um, I do think that if people were to take more of an active, I'm paid this salary to work these hours, I'm going to give everything I can during those hours, but then I will be investing in myself or my skills. It'll pay off more in the end. Not even if you're going to start your own business, but invest in yourself with education. Maybe learning a second language will make you more valuable, which will make you more money. And then your nine to five pays a little bit more and then you can go learn another skill, right? So there's always that investing, building, improving. Um, But I always feel like I need to caveat this because I feel like people are going to think that I never do anything but work. That's not true. (laughs) Make sure you have a social life. It's important for your mental health. I feel like we have to say that a lot to millennials and Gen Z because we look at everything and we're like, I'm just going to work till I die. (laughs) And while that's true for some of us, um, it's not necessarily healthy. So don't do that. (laughs) Well, I think there's a natural flow with like life and work where like corporate America, we just are kind of expected to perform like 40 hours a week. Realistically though, you're just mentally not there all the time. I mean, some weeks might be willing to get 60 hours and there might be that need. Other times maybe work is not as demanding and you just don't have as much to offer. Um, I think that sometimes we force ourselves to just think about like the inputs, how much time we're putting into our, our side hustle or main job and not really looking at the results. I mean, sometimes you have to take a step back and say, okay, what did I really achieve putting a hundred hours into my side hustle? Yeah, that's, I, I have had bosses who are like, I don't care if it takes you 20 hours or 40 hours. This is what I expect to be done get it done by this date and we don't have any problems right and even when you're new in the industry that approach can be really great because that 40-hour job might actually take you 60 hours but you'll get faster over time right so you eventually become more valuable and then you can take on more or enjoy your time more yeah absolutely All right. Well, I think we have covered a lot today, given people a lot to think about as they're developing their businesses. Uh, So if people want to find you, where can they find you online? Yeah. So I've got a website, uh, growyourcash.com. And it's got a link to all my social pages, um, my YouTube channel. Uh, Don't hesitate to contact me if you want to work for the big four, (laughs) accounting and consulting. Um, or if you've just been thinking about buying a home, um, I've got a lot of real estate conversations on uh, that page. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Mackenzie.
Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to keep up to date on all the latest episodes. Or if you can't wait, go to MackenzieRathbun.com to check out the great content there. We'll see you next week.